Welcome to Set Free 24-7. My name is Robert, and I am so glad that you're here. We're reading through the Bible in the message version. I mean, what's not to be excited about I that? I know. Welcome, Heidi. Well, hi, I'm glad to be back. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. So yesterday we made a little bit of an error. We accidentally read a few more verses, but you know what? We're going to read through those same verses today. So here we go. We're going to start out in Matthew, and again... If you're just joining with us here, thank you for following along. Thanks for putting us on in the background while you're driving in the car. We appreciate having you here and just on this journey with us. Oh, we sure do. So Matthew chapter 4, we're going to reread verses 18 through 25. Oh, the beach. The beach walk. Yes. yes. Walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said, Come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. A short distance down the beach, they came upon another pair of brothers, James and John, who were Zebedee's sons. These two were sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their fishnets. Jesus made the same offer to them, and they were just as quick to follow, abandoning boat and father. From there he went all over Galilee. He used synagogues for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. God's kingdom was his theme. That beginning right now they were under God's government, a good government. He also healed people of their diseases and out of the bad effects of their bad lives. Word got around the entire Roman province of Syria. People brought anybody with a sickness, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical. Jesus healed them, one and all. More and more people came, the momentum gathering. Besides those from Galilee, crowds came from the ten towns across the lake others up from Jerusalem and Judea, still others from across the Jordan. I'm just laughing. I'm picturing old man Zebedee sitting in this boat. He's sitting here with his boys, doing what they always do, mending nets, and that's a lot of work. Mending a net is tough oh, I work. Know. And I can see this old man, all of a sudden, boats just a rocking, sons are jumping out, throwing their nets on him, and here's this old man floating, bobbing like, along. what and, just happened? And his boys walk off with this man, and he's like, what am I going to tell my wife? <laughs> I just, sorry. That's how we work. And what's going through my mind? So now Heidi's going to start out in Acts, and if you're following along, it's Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Mm -hmm through the end of the chapter there, 42. All right. All right. Ooh, to obey God rather than men. Provoked mightily by all this, the chief priest and those on his side, mainly the sect of Sadducees, went into action, arrested the apostles, and put them in the town jail. But during the night, an angel of God opened the jailhouse door and led them out. He said, go to the temple and take your stand. Tell the people everything there is to say about this life. Now, mind you, these are the same people that he hold out of the boat. Mm -hmm. They go from fishing to now we're going to be arrested and in jail. I don't think that was their initial thought. I wonder if those 
sons of Zebedee if they called their dad for bail money. Uh, dad. <laughs> uh, dad, that guy that we went out, to, you that know, to follow him. him. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, in, so we're in jail now. Yeah, yeah, if you don't have money, can you bring us some fish? We're a little hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Life doesn't always go as you think it, it will doesn't. when you make the choice to follow him. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Promptly obedient, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching bold is that they just got put in prison they walked on out because the doors got opened by the angel of god and there they were can you imagine meanwhile the chief priest and his enemies convened the high council israel's senate and sent to the jail to have the prisoners brought in when the police got there they couldn't find them anywhere in the jail they went back and reported we found the jail locked tight as a drum and the guards posted at the doors, but when we went inside, we didn't find a soul. Let me tell you from personal experience, this would have been a cause for a huge alarm. Everything would be locked down. Everything would stop. Yeah. They, there's no reason to believe it would have been different. Because one of the big things that happens while you're in jail or prison is they continuously do counts. They walk around and they will count every hour. Sometimes it's every couple hours, but they count. And it's all, the count always has to match. And when that count doesn't match, let me tell you, everything in that jail or prison stops until they oh, figure it out. My, I can't even imagine. The chief of the temple police and the high priest were puzzled. What's going on here anyway? Just then someone showed up and said, did you know that the men you put in jail are back in the temple teaching the people? The chief and his police went and got them, but they handled them gently, fearful that the people would riot and turn on them. Just get that mental picture. I it's like, it. oh. Bringing them back, they stood them before the high council. The chief priest said, didn't we give you strict orders not to teach in Jesus' name? In here, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are trying your best to blame us for the death of this man. Peter and the apostles answered, It's necessary to obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, the one you killed by hanging him on a cross. God set him on high at his side, prince and savior, to give Israel the gift of a changed life and sins forgiven. And we are witnesses to these things. The Holy Spirit, whom God gives to those who obey him, corroborates every detail. When they heard that, they were furious and wanted to kill them on the spot. But one of the council members stood up, a Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel, a teacher of God's law who was honored by everyone. He ordered the men taken out of the room for a short time and said, Fellow Israelites, be careful what you do to these men. Not long ago, Thutis made something of a splash, claiming to be somebody, and got about 400 men to join him. He was killed, his followers dispersed, and nothing came of it. A little later, at the time of the census, Judas the Galilean appeared and acquired a following. He also fizzled out, and the people following him were scattered to the four winds. So I'm telling you, hands off these men, let them alone. If this program or this work is merely human, it will fall apart. But if it is of God, 
There is nothing you can do about it, and you better not be found fighting against God. Mm. Ooh, so this has a pause here, and I'm sure. so glad. So in the pause, Gamaliel warns his fellow religious leaders that you better not be found fighting against God. Have you ever fought against God and what was the outcome? Oh, I certainly have. And I can tell you the outcome was not good. Mm -hmm. Like I wandered in that wilderness in my rebellious fight against God yeah. for over 20 years. Yep. And he loved me fiercely through it. But whew, that's a powerful verse right there. It is. And look what's still alive and <laughs> thriving. Christianity. That convinced them they called the apostles back in. After giving them a thorough whipping, they warned them not to speak in Jesus' name and sent them off. You need to take a pause a second. That, that thorough whipping, that's just not a little 12-inch ruler on yeah. the backside. No, a whipping was a gruesome, horrifically painful thing. I mean, they didn't just use a nice whip. They liked to embed pieces of metal and oh, yeah. it was horrible. The apostles went out of the high council overjoyed because they had been given the honor of being dishonored, the count of the name. Every day they were in the temple and homes teaching and preaching Christ Jesus and not letting up for a minute. They wore those scars so proudly in the most humble way possible. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and now for our favorite part of the segment, we are rewinding back to the Old Testament. And Heidi's going to start us off here with Psalm number nine. All right. Again, David Psalm. I'm thanking you, God, from a full heart. I'm writing the book on your wonders. I'm whistling, laughing, and jumping for joy. I'm singing your song, high God. The day my enemies turned tail and ran, they stumbled on you and fell on their faces. You took over and set everything right. When I needed you, you were there taking charge. You blow the whistle on godless nations. You okay? You want me to read? Oh, sometimes you just read a verse. Mm -hmm. So, the day my enemies turned tail and ran, they stumbled on you and fell on their faces. That one is just... Yeah. You took over and set everything right. When I needed you, you were there taking charge. Mm, sorry, everybody. Ooh. Scripture can do that to you sometimes. Oh, I've had, I've had a bit of a journey in some of these verses when I stopped to realize what God has done because of his love for me. It just overwhelms me. Continuing on, sorry. You blow the whistle on godless nations. You throw dirty players out of the game. Wipe their names right off the roster. Enemies disappear from the sidelines, their reputation trashed, their names erased from the halls of fame. God holds the high center. He sees and sets the world's mess right. He decides what is right for us earthlings, gives people their just desserts. God's a safe house for the battered. Hmm. A sanctuary during bad times. The moment you arrive, you relax. Hmm. And you're never sorry that you not. Sing your songs to Zion, dwelling God. Tell his stories to everyone you meet. 
Now he tracks down killers, yet keeps his eye on us, registers every whimper and every moan. Be kind to me, God. I've been kicked around long enough. Once you've pulled me back from the gates of death, I'll write the book on hallelujahs. On the corner of Main and First, I'll hold a street meeting. I'll be the strong leader. We'll fill the air with salvation songs. Man, this one just got me. They're trapped, those godless countries, in the very snares they set. Their feet all tangled in the net they spread. They have no excuse. The way God works is well known. The shrewd machinery made by the wicked has maimed their own hands. The wicked bought a one-way ticket to hell. No longer will the poor be nameless. No more humiliation for the humble. Up, God, aren't you fed up with their enemies strutting? Expose these grand pretensions. Shake them up, God. Show them how silly they look. Ooh. Wow, that was... Oh. That was a powerful one for you. I can't even. And we go into this every day, not really knowing what's next. Ooh. We don't pre-read. We, no, I, I don't no assign idea. things because of a certain thing. But that psalm right there spoke to you in such a huge way. And I know just with everything that's going on. Just I know. God gives answers in the most unexpected times and in unexpected ways. I never would have thought that, you know, recording this, reading through the Bible this morning would be God talking directly to me. I've got this. Mm -hmm. You keep doing what you're doing. I got this. It's a beautiful so thing. He's restored me, man. He has just restored me from so much. And now we'll move all the way back to Genesis. And we are reading out of chapter 24 today, if you're following along. Abraham was now an old man. God had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham spoke to the senior servant in his household, the one that was in charge of everything that he had. Put your hand under my thigh and swear by God, God of heaven, God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from among the young women of the Canaanites here, but will go to the land of my birth and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant answered, But what if the woman refuses to leave home and come with me? Do I then take your son back to your home country? Abraham said, Oh no, never. By no means are you to take my son back there. God, the God of heaven, took me from the home of my father and from the country of my birth and spoke to me in solemn promise, I'm giving this land to your descendants. This God will send his angel ahead of you to get a wife for my son. And if the woman won't come, you are free from this oath that you have sworn to me. But under no circumstances are you to take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and gave his solemn oath. The servant took ten of his master's camels and loaded with gifts from his master, traveled to Aram Naharim and the city of Nahor. Outside the city, he made the camels kneel at a well. It was evening, the time when the women came to draw water. He prayed, O oh God, God of my master Abraham, make things go smoothly this day. Treat my master Abraham well. As I stand here by the spring while the young women of the town come out to get water, 
let the girl to whom I say, lower your jug and give me a drink, and who answers, drink, and let me also water your camels, let her be the woman you have picked out for your servant Isaac. Then I'll know that you're working graciously behind the scenes for my master. It so happened that the words were barely out of his mouth when Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, whose mother was Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with a water jug on her shoulder. The girl was stunningly beautiful, a pure virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came back up. The servant ran to meet her and said, Please, can I have a sip of water from your jug? She said, Certainly, drink. And she held the jug so that he could drink, and when he had satisfied his thirst, she said, I'll get water for your camels, too, until they've drunk their fill. She promptly emptied her jug into the trough and ran back to the well to fill it, and she kept at it until she had watered all of the camels. Not a word. I was just wondering, like, how much a camel drinks and if there were 10 of them. It's astonishing. Like, this could be an all-day event. Because they're built to store water, and oh. being in the desert, that meant they would drink and drink and drink and drink it and was this remarkable. could have been like an all afternoon event for her right and she did not have to do this had no she idea she wasn't asked to do it the man watched silent was this god's answer had god made his trip a success or not when the camels had finished drinking the man brought out gifts a gold nose ring weighing a little over a quarter of an ounce and two arm bracelets weighing about four ounces and then gave them to her he asked her, Tell me about your family. Whose daughter are you? Is there room in your father's house for us to stay the night? She said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah and Nahor. And there's plenty of room in our house for you to stay, and lots of straw and feed besides. At this, the man bowed in worship before God and prayed, Blessed be God, God of my master Abraham. How generous and true you've been to my master. You've held nothing back. You led me right to the door of my master's brother. And the girl was off and running, telling everyone in her mother's house what had happened. Rebecca had a brother named Laban. Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister and had heard her say, The man said this and this and this to me. So he went to the man and there he was, still standing with his camels at the spring. Laban welcomed him. Come on in, blessed of God. Why are you standing out here? I've got the house ready for you, and there's also a place for your camels. So the man went into the house. The camels were unloaded and given straw and feed. Water was brought to bathe the feet of the man and the men who were with him. Then Laban brought out food, but the man said, I won't eat until I tell my story. Laban said, go ahead, tell us. The servant said, I'm the servant of Abraham. God has blessed my master. He's a great man. God has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, servants and maidservants, camels, donkeys. And then to top it off, Sarah, my master's wife, gave him a son in her old age, and he has passed everything on to his son. My master made me promise, don't get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land that I live, no, go to my father's home, back to my family, and get a wife for my son there. 
I said to my master, but what if the woman won't come with me? He said, well, God before whom I've walked faithfully will send his angel with you and he'll make things work out so that you'll bring back a wife for my son from my family, from the house of my father. Then you'll be free from the oath. If you go to my family and they won't give her to you, you will also be free from the oath. Well, when I came this very day to the spring, I prayed, God, God of my master Abraham, make things turn out well in this task that I've been given. I'm standing here at this well, and when a young woman comes here to draw water, and I say to her, please give me a sip of water from your jug, and she says, not only will I give you a drink, I'll also water your camels. Let that be the woman. Let that be the wife that God has picked out for my master's son. I had barely finished offering this prayer when Rebecca arrived, her jug on her shoulder. She went to the spring and drew water, and I said, please, can I have a drink? And she didn't hesitate. She held out her jug and said, drink. And when you're finished, I'll also water your camels. I drank and she watered those camels and I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said the daughter of Bethuel, whose parents were Nahor and Milcah. I gave her a ring for her nose, bracelets for her arms, and bowed in worship to God. I praised God, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me straight to the door of my master's family to get a wife for his son. Now tell me, what are you going to do if you plan to respond with a generous yes, tell me? But if not, tell me plainly so I can figure out what to do next. Laban and Bethuel answered, this is undeniably from God. We have no say in the matter, either yes or no. Rebecca is yours. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son, as God had made plain. When Abraham's servant heard their decision, he bowed in worship before God. Then he brought out gifts of silver and gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave expensive gifts to her brother and mother. He and his men had supper and spent the night, but first thing in the morning they were up. He said, send me back to my master. Her brother and mother said, let the girl stay for a while, stay, you know, another 10 days and then go. He said, oh, don't make me wait. God has worked out everything so well. Send me off to my master. They said, well, we'll call the girl, we'll ask her. So they called Rebecca and asked her, do you wanna go with this man? She replied, I am ready to go. So they sent them off, their sister Rebecca with her nurse, and Abraham's servant with his men, and they blessed Rebekah, saying, You're our sister, live bountifully, and your children triumphantly. Rebekah and her young maids mounted the camels and followed the man. The servant took Rebekah and set off for home. Isaac was living in the Negev. He had just come back from a visit to Bir Laha Roy. In the evening, he went out into the field, while meditating, he looked up and saw camels coming. When Rebekah looked up and saw Isaac, she got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man out in the field coming toward us? That is my master. She took her veil and covered herself. After the servant told Isaac the whole story of the trip, Isaac took Rebekah into the tent of his mother Sarah. 
He married Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac found comfort after his mother's death. And that's the end of chapter 24. What faith that very young girl had. Women, I mean, like to just 13, say, 14 was a common go. age to get married and seen as ready to be married. And she didn't hesitate. So she just didn't because even hesitate. I'm ready. Her mom, just let her stay a little longer. Please just let her stay a little longer. And this young girl, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Great faith. And I love her adventurous spirit. She does have an adventurous spirit. Yes. And friends, that's the end of the Bible reading today. We appreciate having you along on this journey through the Bible. We're reading out of the message version because it's a paraphrase of the Bible and it just gives a fresh set of eyes on some texts that mm -hmm. we have heard over and over again. And for those that aren't familiar with the Bible, it's just inviting, welcoming, and conversational. And we're so glad that you're here. We absolutely love having you join us every day. I can't promise I won't have more of those raw moments. And in fact, I hope I have a lot more of those because it's just a beautiful moment with me. Just thank you. God. If you get a chance, go back and read through Psalm 9 today and maybe yes. look at it through some different translations and see which one you may like. Absolutely. So thanks again for joining along today. We appreciate having you here and we will see you tomorrow for day number 10. Coming back for more. See you tomorrow.